Psalm 122. The Baal Shem Tov teaches that each individual has their own psalm. Each individual has their own capital Tehillim. And that is based on your age. So, for example, a child is born. The parents begin to read psalm number one. When you turn number 26, you read Psalm 27. You are now in your 27th year. When you are 99, you read Psalm 100. When you're 149, you read Psalm 150. When you become 150 years old, you start over again, Psalm number one. Now, because of this, it's customary that, that Chassidim read the psalm of their teacher, of their Rebbe. Just like children will read the psalm of their parents, and parents will read the psalm of their children to give additional blessing daily to their lives, the same is true that we learn and read the psalm of our teacher, the Rebbe. Interesting to note that when my grandfather, Rabbi Jacob Jehech, the blessed memory, passed away, one of the things that the Rebbe instructed that we do as a family is to continue to recite his psalm based on his age. In other words, in heaven the soul has birthdays. And each year the soul gets a year older. And therefore to continue to add the new psalm based on the new birthday. And this year, on the 11th of Nisan, will be the Rebbe's 121st birthday. And therefore, Chassidim all over the world, will recite Psalm 122. And so this morning I would like to elaborate a little on this psalm to have additional insight to appreciate the beautiful words of poetry from King David. We start with verse number one. Shir hamalis l'david, sumachti ba'imnimli beis Hashem neilich. A song of ascent by David. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, let us go up to the holy temple. David HaMelech compiled the Tehillim. But in truth, he compiled it from ten different authors. Furthermore, these songs of ascent, the 15 songs of ascent, was said by Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, our forefather, when he was in the house of Lavan. This is what gave him strength and inspiration every day, even though he says, by day I was consumed by the scorching heat, and by night I was consumed by the frost, and sleep deserted my eyes. What gave him the strength to continue was the Shir HaMalis, the song of ascent. So you have two things here. You have Shir, a song, and number two, you have ascent. Two separate concepts. Number one, King David tells us every day we have to ascend. You have to go up those steps and the staircases, not through an elevator. You got to take steps. Go up one step and another step and each day go higher and higher. And even though it's difficult and even though you're schlepping and you have all these packages, you have all this dead weight, you have to do it with sheer, with song, with simcha, with joy. And when you have joy, this gives you strength to be able to go higher and higher. And if Yaakov Avinu, Jacob can do it, we can do it. 
he had a much more difficult life than we did. And he is our father, and therefore we have his genes. And we have that capacity to overcome every storm, every challenge, and to ascend higher. That's the first lesson, the opening two words, Shira Malis. Who said this? Who compiled this? David, King David. What does he say? Samachti King David said, I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. You need to understand that the Tehillim is read on many levels. It's read as a book of the future, of prophecy. It's also read as a book of the past. On the most simplistic level, David HaMelech is saying that even though he was told by God that King Solomon will build the Holy Temple. And therefore, the people and the citizens of his generation were nagging him. When is this old man going to move on to the next world so that King Solomon could build the Holy Temple? Says David HaMelech, I rejoiced. I rejoiced to see the, the, the desire and the passion that the people of Israel had to build the Holy Temple. Another way of looking at this is Samachti is the past. In other words, the Jewish people in exile, in Golos, were reminiscing and say, wow, Samachti, I remember those days, those good old days, when we rejoiced, when we used to go up by foot to the Holy Temple. It's interesting to note that the three major holidays of the year are called the three regolim. Regol means feet. Because they would travel with their feet. Many people would take their luggage on their shoulders and they would travel by foot up to the Holy Temple. And so they were called the, the Shlesha Regolim, the three main pilgrimages when we went up to Jerusalem. So this is the first verse of Psalm 122. King David goes on to say, Immobile stood our feet within the gates. What does this mean? The Talmud tells us that there is no blessing outside of Jerusalem. All the blessing that we have is from Jerusalem. And therefore, the psalmist and so too the Israelites that were exiled are making a confirmation. They're making a statement. Even though we are outside of Jerusalem, even though we are in exile, our feet are standing in Jerusalem. As the Baal Shem Tov tells us, The place where your mind is, that's where you are found. So you could be living in the Ukraine, you could be living in Russia, but in your mind, your mind's eye, you are standing in Jerusalem. And if you're standing in Jerusalem, then you have all the blessings of Jerusalem. What does it mean to be standing in Jerusalem? Toysus tells us that the word Yerushalayim means Yireh Shalim, one that has complete awe of God. And therefore, when a person accepts upon themselves the yoke of God and the awe of God, they are standing in Jerusalem, regardless the geographical location in which they find themselves. 
You move on to verse number three. Yerushalayim habnuya. Ki'ir shuchubra lo yachtav. The built-up Jerusalem is like a city that is united together. On the most simple level, it's a city that unites Jews. Jews from all over the world come together and they are united. Now it's interesting that there are four major cities in Israel. One is the city of fire, the city of ear, the city of water, and the city of earth. Yerushalayim is a city of fire. And therefore people are very passionate in Israel, especially in Yerushalayim. And yet, comes along the psalmist and says, even though Jerusalem is a city of fire, where people are passionate about their beliefs and their politics, yet it's a city that has the capacity and the strength to unite all the Jews as one. And therefore, even though we hear in the news that there is challenges in Israel with the politics, you have to believe that it's a land, and especially a city, Shechubra Leyachtov, that it will unite the people of Israel together. Furthermore, the Talmud says that there's a Jerusalem above and a Jerusalem below. And the Jerusalem below duplicated the Jerusalem from above. And God says, I will not go into the Jerusalem above unless I first go into the Jerusalem below. And that is hinted in the words, a city that is chubra, is united, it is connected to another Jerusalem. It's adjoined to the Jerusalem above. It also hints to the name of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is a name that is joined by two separate names. As the Medrash tells us that originally... Malkin Tzedek gave the name to that city, Shalim. Shalim means the city of peace. Abraham gave the name Yeroeh. And God said, I'm going to combine both names together. Yeroeh Shalim Yerushalayim. And so the name itself is a conglomerate of two different names. It's also interesting to note that the word Yerushalayim is missing the letter Yud. And even though the word Yerushalayim is mentioned 700 times in Tanakh, most of the times it's missing the second Yud. And the reason is that the Yud represents, number one, a Yid, a Jew. And number two, a Yud represents God's name. Because the name of God, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, the Tetragrammaton, starts with the Yud. And God's Adnai ends with a Yud, and that's why in many Sudurim, when you want to write the name of God, it is written with two letters of Yud. So, Yudashalayim is missing the Yud. It's missing the Yud of the Yidin. It's missing the Yud of God. When the Jewish people will return to Yudashalayim, then the Yud, the spiritual Yud, the supernal Yud, the godly Yud will also return and the name Yerushalayim will be complete.
Verse number four. Shesham alu shvatim shiftei ka edus li Yisrael lahoides l'shem Hashem. For there the tribes ascended, the tribes of God, a testimony for Israel to give thanks to the name of Hashem. A very beautiful insight. What is the meaning of shiftei ka? The tribes of God. The commentaries tell us that the nations of the world made the following false statement. And they said, when the Jews were in Egypt, if the Egyptians had control over their bodies, they surely had control over their wives. And therefore, the children of Israel are not truly the children of Israel. So God comes along and he says and he testifies, Shiftei Yudkei. They are all holy. They are the tribes of God. I can testify that all those children are mine. They belong to the Jewish people. According to the commentaries, one of the reasons why Sarah went down to Egypt with Abraham and she went into the palace of Pharaoh and Pharaoh was not able to put his hand upon her because Pharaoh was plagued and therefore he had to release her was because because the actions of our forefathers are a strength to our children, are a lesson to our children, and they paved the way for our children. By the fact that Sarah went down to Egypt and she was strong and held her modesty before Pharaoh, this gave the strength and the courage for her children when they would later be enslaved in Egypt to also overcome all the challenges of the Egyptians and for all generations to remain modest and loyal to Almighty God. And so it says, Shifte Yudke, God testifies that they are truly holy people. Furthermore, there are three terminologies here. It starts off with Shavatim, they are tribes. Then it goes on to say, Shifte Yudke, tribes of God. And then they say, Edus Li Israel. A testimony to Israel. When we talk about the tribes in the Torah, we are reminded of the dream of Joseph. Joseph in his dream says, I saw the tribes gathering bundles of wheat in the field. That's the first basic idea of the obligation of the tribes, and that is to gather bundles of wheat. What does that mean? that the job of every Jew, the job of every soul down here in this world, is to gather the sparks, to make from a world that is fragmented, a world that is united. And that this entire world, Jew and non-Jew alike, should be subservient to the will of God, to be a channel for godliness in the world, to make the world a better place. But it begins with gathering all of these sparks. Now when you take a bundle of wheat, each wheat is individual. (coughs) even though it's in one bundle, but yet you see the individuality. The first step of humility and subservience is, I exist. I am important. However, I am willing to submit to a higher reality. So there's the I. That's the first step. That's Shvatim, tribes, who are eyes, yet we are willing to submit to God. Then you have Shifte Yutke, tribes of God, 
where God becomes the core, God becomes the center, and you become subservient to God's will. And then there's a third level, and that is Eidos L'Yisrael, that we become a nation that serves as a testimonial to Almighty God, that we are totally a channel for God's oneness, totally a channel for God's holiness in the world, that we don't feel any level of pride or existence, but simply as an extension of God. So these are three levels in a person's service to Almighty God. And to take this third idea a step further, the idea of an aid, why does it mean that we are the witnesses of God? Atem eidai, God says, you are my witnesses. Why does it mean a witness? A witness needs to reveal something that is unknown. If people know, you don't have to be a witness. And the same is true when it comes to godliness. There are three levels of godliness. There's the first level of God within existence, within nature. And today, even the most simple person, who's not a genius of a scientist, and doesn't have to be a great believer, with logic understands that everything in this world has a cause and an effect. And when you look around the world, you come to a realization that there's a God. There has to be a master to the universe who put all this into motion. It didn't happen by mistake or random, by chance, but there was always a cause and effect. That's the most simple level. I don't need to be Jewish. I don't have to be an aid to testify that God exists. Then there's a higher level of reality, and that's the level of Soviet Kalaman, God that is infinite, beyond time and space. Even logic can acknowledge such a thing that if this world is within the realm of finity, the creator of the universe probably is beyond the realm of finity. But then there's a third level, and that is the level of atmos, that God is infinity and finity together, a combination of infinite light in a finite whole. This level is not logical. And this level can only be introduced through edus, through the witnesses who give testimony to the world that there is such a reality of God that exists. And this is really the role of the Jew, the role of Am Yisrael, to convey this message to the world. And when Mashiach will come, the entire world will see how God is, in reality, permeating every aspect of nature, and within the finite is truly the infinite. One of the ideas will be that there will be the resurrection of the dead, and therefore the body will give life to the soul. The soul being finite, and the body being infinite. So this will be revealed with the coming of Mashiach. Verse number 5. For there in the Holy Temple sat thrones of judgment, thrones for the house of David, alluding to the fact that not only was there the Sanhedrin, the 71 judges that gave law for all of Israel, as we say, from Zion comes forth the law, but there was also the king's law that the king had a right to adjudicate if he felt that there was a breach in the law, in the security of the land of Israel. He had a right to 
administer his ruling independent, independent of the ruling of the Bezdin. So the two realities simultaneously that was guiding the land of Israel. Number six, Shalu Shaloyim Yerushalayim Yishaloyu Oyevoyich. Verse number six, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Those who love you will be serene. May their peace within your wall. May there be peace within your wall, serenity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and my comrades, I shall speak of peace in your midst. For the sake of the house of Hashem, our God, I will request good for you. These few verses all deal with the idea of shalom, the idea of peace. Says the psalmist in verse number six. Shalu shalom shalom. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, alludes to the fact that even though the Jews are in exile, we have gaguyim, we have a, a desire, a yearning, and a request of God once again to see Jerusalem, and that Jerusalem should be at peace. Yeah. In other words, from here we see from David HaMelech the importance how Jews have to request. Shalu means a request, a demand of God that there be peace in Jerusalem and furthermore Jerusalem be shalom, be complete with the third temple. A requirement to, to ask God to bring an end to exile as we say we want Mashiach now. This is clearly here a statement from King David. Furthermore, we go on to say there should be peace Bechelech. What does that mean? Verse number 7, may there be peace within your walls. So there are two ways of looking at this. One is, Chelech means your army, a chayil, the soldier. There are two ways for a nation to collapse. One is that the army is weak. And number two is that there lacks unity in the palace. And therefore, it's a double prayer. Number one is, Yehi Shalom Mechelech, the army should be, Shalom should be complete. The word Shalom that does not only mean peace, but also from the word Shleimut, that is whole. The army should be whole and strong. And then there should be Shalva in your palace. The king and queen should get along together. The ministers should be united and work together. If there is peace, no nation in the world can destroy us. And therefore, this is the double blessing. On a more personal level, the Talmud says, if you have a problem, and you want to get answered for your problem, what do you do? There's a secret. What you do is, you find someone that has the same problem like you, and you pray for that person. If you pray for that person that has your problem, you are answered first. <clears throat> so, if you need money, find a beggar who needs money. 
get his name, his mother's name, pray for him. If you need health, find a person who's sick, get her name and her mother's name and pray for her. If you need a shidduch, if you're a widow, pray for another widow. If you're a young boy who's looking for a bride, pray for your classmate. And therefore, Dabra Melech says, first of all, Yehi shalom b'chelech, in your walls there should be peace. In other words, pray for yourself. If you want your walls to be answered, your home to be answered, then you should pray for the palace. Pray for others. Pray for your brothers. Pray for your comrades. And then you will have all the peace in your home. So in other words, if you want peace in your home, the antidote and the answer to the question is to pray for your brothers and your comrades, to pay, to pray for the palace, to pray for the house of God. There's a parable that goes like this. A man built a very, very tall building. However, there was one problem. In the building, there were no stairs. So how do you get to the top of the building? And so he hires a good contractor. And the contractor looks and he says, wow, you need so many steps to get to the top of that building. How will he ever do that? And the owner of the building says, it's very simple, start at the bottom. If you want your prayers answered, start at the bottom. Ask for people who need the same blessings as you. And climb up, shiramales, climb up those stairs, one step at a time, day by day, mitzvah by mitzvah. And therefore, by doing so, you will have all your questions answered, all your prayers received, and shiramalos, you'll see the ultimate joy, the ultimate blessing with the rebuilding of the Third Holy Temple, Bemheda Bimenu Amen.